Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now. Um, we're, we're kind of dropping the TV segment uh, for a little while, um, at least until the TV shows that we discuss come back on the air. And uh, this week we have another episode of uh, Beyond Impossible with Julian Chambliss. So I'm going to hand over to Julian who will do all the introductions. Thank you, Ian. Um, this is indeed Julian Chambliss with Beyond Impossible, of course, a podcast segment where we talk to creators of color about um, their creativity and some of the issues that sort of drive their experiences. I'm here today with Ganzir. Am I pronouncing that right? That is correct, Ganzir. Yeah. Ganzir, uh, who is an artist that has a long repertoire, and we're going to get into that. But it's recently come out with a great comic called uh, The Solar Grid. Um, thanks for coming on, Ganzir. Uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, great to talk to you. Yeah, I know that um, some some of our listeners might know a little bit about you, but you know your background is... Gansey is not your your real name, and you know your name's your name. So I'm gonna be like, stick with that. That's your real name. But uh, you're originally Egyptian, and and did a lot during the revolution um, in terms of uh, sort of like protest art, political art. Um, and right. so my first yeah. question for you kind of is sort of tied into that. Um, and I've and you've done a little writing about the role of the artist in society. And so I guess one of my first questions for you is, who are your influences in terms of artists? And how has those figures helped you develop your own sense of like artistic mission or artistic agency? Um, well, I mean, my, my, my very early influences have, have definitely been comic books. Um, you know, just growing up as yes. a kid, uh, reading lots of comics, uh, a lot of mainly, especially like when I was much younger, like American superhero comics, um, and then it, it wasn't it wasn't until until later, um, you know, um, I guess more like high school and 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 uh, college years when I started to uh, discover more like European graphic novels and um, and then and then get into like other uh, uh, art forms, you know, uh, graphic design, industrial design, architecture, and uh, just other other just a whole bunch of different types of art, typography, um, also traditional fine art, all that other stuff. I never, I never really, I never really felt like I had like a set core of, of, you know, one, two, three, four artists who influenced me necessarily mm -hmm. as much as, as much as it's been like, um, I, I, I think just a general hunger for, uh, just different modes of, of artistic expression in general. Okay. Um, I could probably like, 
pinpoint like a handful of artists from like different art forms, you know, mm-hmm. who influence me in different ways. But I mean, there's just like so many. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you know that leads to my next question. I'm like, so, so what was your favorite comic <laughs> book? <laughs> right. Like, so what was your favorite comic? What's my favorite comic? Yeah. What's your favorite comic? Um, we can't we can't say oh the rest of your favorite comic like that that becomes like <laughs> the mandatory. Okay. What's your favorite? DC or Marvel? Come what? on, it's time to time to fess up. <laughs> which which is better, DC or Marvel? <laughs> um, well, you know, as a as a as a kid, I think uh, I think my favorite was. Uh, Firestorm, probably. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think Firestorm for me stood out as even as a, as a, like a, as a you know very young kind of a child. Practically, I could tell that it was just very the concept was very different from other superheroes in the sense that it's just like these these two characters that are kind of. Uh, Combine into this one body, and 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 um, I mean, it was interesting. It was more interesting than like someone being exposed to something and then finding out they had superpowers. In this right. case, it's just like two different people. One of them, completely different. One of them is a scientist. The other is like a college kid, and different mentalities, and they're combined into this one body. And and that was just like so interesting to me. Um, um, so I mean, that was, I guess, as as a kid. Um, in 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 recent years, I've you know, I've I've just like become more graphic novel oriented, I guess. So, oh, sure. yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, uh, of course, obviously, I love uh, Watchmen and 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 Super Vendetta, Alan Moore's work. Sure. Um, I um, I'm 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 kind of a, a slut for Warren Ellis's work. Can I say slut? Yeah, you say slut. I'm a huge fan of Warren Ellis too. Actually, I would never say slut, but yeah, I'm a fan of Warren Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's your admirer uh, that's really ardent. How about that? Like, 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 probably better. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm like really kind of crazy about Warren's um, work. A bunch of his stuff. Uh, kind of Mr. Paulson, obviously, is like amazing. And right, yeah. um, there are there are a couple of like his his kind of even like some of the more overlooked short ones that he did, like Ministry of Space or right, um, yeah. Super God. Like these like really short high concept ones. Of course, I also love very much. Um, what do you think of, of his, art, uh... I also what. No, I was gonna, I was gonna ask, what did you think of his like run on the authority? But maybe you, that's you. um authority is is uh, was not for me to be honest. Okay, yeah, uh, it wasn't my jam, uh, really. Um, I mean, I mean, the, the authority in terms of like, I guess if you want me to like look at it objectively from a non fan perspective, right? Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I would I would say. I would say I get that it's like in terms of like the superhero genre, it like broke new grounds and all. Right. Um, but it's still, it's still, uh, it's still. You could tell like it's still kind of Warren doing this thing where he's like uh, doing something that can still pass as like mainstream and work with like the mainstream superhero audience. But right. Yeah. Just, just doing it a little better than what has been done before with these superhero team books, you know. Right. Um, yeah. But superhero team books in general are not something that I'm like very particularly interested in. Right. Yeah. In contrast, to something like Injection, which like unless you really are there, you're not going to be reading that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, if I love Watchmen, it has nothing to do with it being a superhero team book. For example, it has to do with it being like this amazing world that this guy built uh, over the course of only twelve issues, and there's a whole world in it. 
that had not existed before these twelve issues, right? Right. Uh, unlike most other superhero books that relies heavily on the, the actual history of the book, right? Right. Right. Uh, right. That often extended way back to like I don't know twenty. 30 years ago or something. Yeah. But he was able to do it through, like, only 12 issues. And, of course, it deals with all these things. It, 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 it has to do with, like, capitalism and abuse of power. And it's just, like, it's just like thematically, like, a very powerful work with so much social commentary in it, uh, which almost does not exist in any superhero comic, actually, at all. You know? Right. Through that sort of original work that may build on the tropes of the superhero but really sort of spins it out into different ways is really the thing that sort of speaks to you yeah exactly it's, yeah. it's it's using the genre the superhero genre to talk about actual real social issues in a way right and and things uh, you could deal with in society which is kind of what you're supposed to do with any genre right if right. you're doing something about uh, with horror or science fiction or crime it has to be more than just about the horror or the crime or the <laughs> science fiction it has to do with the society actually reading the work now, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I thought about this this morning because I was, I was thinking, like, you know, with Brexit, it'll be interesting to see what kind of comics come out of the UK because I thought about Alan Moore and thought, you know, V for Vendetta, that's all about Thatcherism. What are you going to get with creators sort of reacting to the decision to leave the European Union? I, I actually think that'll be really interesting what kind of comics are going to come out of that. Um, just because... You know, part of the reason that like something like even that still works is because you can go back, as you say, and talk about that sort of political narrative, that sort of like statement about society, um, sort of warnings there that really sort of matter still that you can use in class and, and, and read today and be really sort of like drawn into like a perspective. So and I, I totally agree with you. Right, right, totally. Um, I know, I know that you reject the label uh, street artist, um, but I, but I want to ask you a little bit about that because I think one of the reasons people um, um, my my thinking that way is because I'm a big fan of street art, and so like it's not anything. I you know I I think that that one of the things that makes street art street art is that it draws from sort of multiple spaces in terms of like it's sort of like drive for artistic artistic meaning. And I think one of the things about street art is that it really has a, a strong focus. If you want to see it on power on a, on identity on on um spaces and what they do to people how people interact with them i think that's 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 one of the things that's one of the finds and, and i think that might be one of the reasons why people might associate uh you with it but you reject that label so you know how do you want to define yourself um in terms of like your as an as a artist like what what do you say when people say you're an artist are you what do you say i, I mean i i just say artist you know it's um it's 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 um I don't think it's a it's a it's a dilemma that is entirely unique to me, you know. <laughs> but yeah, um, right, right. I think I remember I, I recall I think uh, uh, Neil Gaiman in an interview uh, he was he was talking once about how I think like you know when like uh, American Gods did well, right. he uh, uh, he was uh, his agent told him something about a publisher that. Uh, had this really great deal for him, wanted to do like some kind of exclusive deal where he would be able to write uh, 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 books like American Gods, uh, many, many books like American Gods. And I guess he, he, he felt like, well, he didn't want to because he just wrote a book that was American Gods and he wanted to write, I think he did like Coraline or, or, or something. And then in a way, like this idea of like, well, he's 
for him just being an author and that's it you don't have to be like i'm a fantasy author or i'm a science fiction author or whatever you're just an author right and and for me i guess in terms of as a, as an artist i think it also I, f- I feel the same way where it's just i'm an artist and i'm not necessarily uh you know i'm an artist i have different uh, interests and different different uh moods, you know, I'm a human being, I'm a right, person, yeah. and I feel different things at different times, and, and, and sometimes I want to do different things, and it has nothing, it's nothing against the label street artists, I mean, I have nothing against street artists at all, it's just that I feel like I'm not, um, I, I'm just like not one thing or the other, really, I'm just, uh, I like to like, in, in a childlike way almost, I just like to mess around, you know, uh, as a kid, as kids, you know, we don't like, kids are fully expected to like one day play around with like building blocks, the other day play around with crayons, right? They're, they're, not, they're not expected to be like, okay, now you're, now you're just going to play basketball, you know, right. or something. Yeah. It's like, no, you're exploring things and uh, 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 exploring yourself and, and, and expressing yourself in different ways and. I, I, I see no reason why, as adults, we can't continue to, to do that. Right. And sort of like looping back, uh, I mean, part of the reason um, that I think you're known is because you were um, sort of active during um, the revolution in Egypt and like your art was sort of associated with like critiques of this of the state. Um, and eventually you had to leave because you continued to, to you know, speak truth to power, I think is a good way to, to describe it. Um, but, you know, I think you also are, are, are remaining like sort of like artists that's true to that, even, even though now you're in the U.S., I mean, I think some of your art, if you look at it, you find it on the web, has real critiques of the U.S., right? Like, there's real critiques of power there. Um, sure, yeah. Um, how do you balance that 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 nexus around being a working artist, you know, creating work that, that matters and, and commerce, right? I mean, like, you know, what are some of your... Um, yeah, it's a challenge. Uh, <laughs> it definitely is a challenge because I think once you start to... Once you, it, it becomes a. It, it, I, I could already tell, like with my own work, that once you start to think about um, the commerce of it and, and, and the, the income factor involved in it, and 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 once that sort of becomes uh, makes its way to the foreground of your thinking, becomes somewhat of a priority. It, it really does influence the work, um, and I don't particularly like how how the work is influenced by it. even 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 unknowing, you know, even not intentionally. Like you find yourself. It really simple things. If, for example, you if you find like that certain topics are are kind of sellable or something, you know, right? Yeah. Uh, or or if, if certain styles, like you've become known for a certain style, to a large extent, that's why a lot of artists find themselves inclined to like want to develop a a style, like a fingerprint, in right, a way yeah. where it's like, oh, they become identified by something that looks that way. A hallmark and for the market. A hallmark, right? And if it continues to look that way, then they will continue be able to continue to sell these things. And and I find that once you think too much about, once you allow the commerce part to influence the work itself, then the work itself in some way kind of suffers, either topically or, or stylistically. Right. And in my view, um, I'm I'm sure like other people have different views about it, and that's fine. But I feel like it, it does influence it negatively. Because you find yourself maybe less inclined to uh, uh, to do something that might seem um, uh, something that you're just very much inclined to do naturally, but is very risky. Right. Um, and I mean, 
you know, that's why I, to, to some extent, I have a problem with, uh, I, I, I've, I've had to somewhat distance myself from doing, um, I suppose, for lack of a better description, work that is thematically Egyptian in a way, because, I mean, when I, when I first started doing that stuff in, in Egypt, no one asked me to do it. I did it, and it was because I was inclined to do it. Right. And and it was a risk. It wasn't the right thing to do. It was probably the dumbest thing to do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, but right, it yeah. was something that I wanted to do, and that was that. But uh, but it was only afterwards where it became this thing like, oh, there's this Egyptian politically motivated street art artist. Let's buy his work, and then that became the inclination for 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 for, for the sellability of some work. Right. So this just, and that was, just, that, that was exactly the, the the right time to stop doing that work because it became inc- incredibly commercially viable. So it made sense. Like, okay, this is obviously not the thing you're supposed to do now. <laughs> so just, you know? just for the listener who doesn't know, like uh, you were, you know, sort of recognized internationally for almost sort of like guerrilla. What I would describe from reading about it, like guerrilla street art that was really critical. Um, this is during the Arab Spring, or during the, the sort of revolution that toppled, toppled the government, the military dictatorship in Egypt. Very well known, right? Like, and, and highly, I think, in many ways celebrated. And, and you continue to do that um, even when like this sort of new, new government came in and eventually... Um, I think you you sort of ran afoul. I don't I don't know how to exactly just read about it. Like you just continue to say to me, it seemed like you were doing the exact same thing they were doing before with the new government because you were like calling them out on doing things that were wrong. You can correct me if I'm wrong, um, or you know, and and eventually you just had to leave the country because they labeled you like a, an enemy of the state. Ironically, the, the new government labeled you an enemy of the state. Um, so, for people who don't know, I just wanted to fill them in on that. Um, but you're saying, like, you know, when at the height of that, you're like, I need to make new art, basically. Like, I'm, I'm done with that. Um, I, right, exactly. I mean, um, the, 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 the minute, uh, you know, the, the, the minute I arrived in, in, in the United States, um, you know, I was, I was, I was approached by, 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 you know, multiple like really kind of high end galleries to do you know uh, um, to exhibit work that is that is like e- either either exactly the street art that I did in Egypt or like thematically related or so on you know um, and I said well no I'm not going to do that <laughs> that doesn't make any sense you know? yeah okay and and so and I think when you got to the U S you started making art about the U S. Right. So I started to do art, uh, which is uh, to me that didn't make sense because, like, I arrived in this in this new, to this new place and I could see things from a kind of outsider's perspective. Um, things that kind of jump out at you that maybe if you if you've lived here, I mean, right now I'm already kind of grown quite numb to a lot of these uh, things that I've noticed. You know, they they don't jump out at me anymore right. after having been here for two years. Right, right. So it made sense like, oh, as I'm noticing these, like these things, these super obvious things that to an outsider just like are so weird and obvious that you have to like, oh, now I, this is, this is what my body is telling me. I have to, I have to, I have to uh, make art about and, and, and comment on in a way while I still have this childlike view. Right. right. Um, and then, and then, as soon as that, you know, I, I did, I got that out of my system, and uh, I started to, to, to have uh, develop, you know, this this thing for this 
the science fiction um, graphic novel, then I moved on to that. And uh, still, some people in the... It was, it, it's interesting, because as soon as I started to do those, some of, some of that... Um, uh, uh, the artwork that is more... Um, uh, uh, I guess specifically the United States yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of subject matter, right. uh, then then that started to become an interest, and then and then there were a couple of media articles about like how that is my interest now, and that is that is what I'm about, you know. Right. And then, um, but interestingly enough, also I felt like, well, actually, no, now I just want to do the science fiction thing. So, so you you said there were just things um, about the American American experience that sort of left out of you and make the way you are. I knew you did a show called All American. Um, right. I think that's what it was called. Um, so g- give me a sense, like what were some of those things? Like what were some of the things like, wow, that, that's, um, yeah, there were, there were, um, a bunch of things. So, um, th- th- there was, um, uh, there was, for example, a, um, uh, why am I blanking out? Eric Garner. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so there was, oh yeah. So there was the, the, so I remember, oh yeah, yeah. I arrived. This, this is obviously like, I guess more New York specific because that's sure. where I, I yeah. was yeah, yeah. Uh, based the first year. Um, so I remember on the subways in New York city, I would, I would see a lot of ads, um, about like, you know, uh, uh join the NYPD and they were like usually co- accompanied by like slogans of like, um, honor or something like that. Right. Right. Uh, but you were, you, so you saw these ads displayed openly uh, simultaneously when the air garden stuff was happening. Um, which is just like a, a, an amazing juxtaposition, right? That's right, like, you yeah. can't make that shit up right. in a way that's like, so <laughs> okay, that right, is like right, such right. a work of, uh, of Orwellian fiction in a way where you have like, okay, the reality is cops are beating the shit out of people for no reason. But then simultaneously, there are all these ads about like going to police and honor and whatever. And these ads are showing the police in this kind of super kind of like there's a pride in it somehow. But these ads are displayed and people are passing by it normally. No one's like, what the fuck is up with this shit or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They don't see the irony because it's right there in front of them. There's the irony. Yeah, it was just like so normalized in a way. But then I know for a fact that coming from Egypt, that this is, you know, those ads would be vandalized in a second, <laughs> like without, without even like they wouldn't last. Not even, you know, they just it would it wouldn't be possible. And so in a way, so I feel like it was it was just like a no brainer to be like okay, like make an ad for the police with the with the Eric Gardner imagery in the ad instead, uh, you know? Right, um, yeah, sure. Um, uh, other things, for example, were like, you know, on the subway, on, when you're on the subway, there are these, like, loudspeaker announcements that uh, backpacks and large containers are subject to random search by the police, uh, which is which is also very incredibly, uh, you know, Orwellian, right? Um, Part of our security state well, in the post nine eleven world. It is, yeah. it is that that is that is the, the that is a, a a kind of very obvious uh, 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 mark and 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 uh, you know symptom of an authoritarian state. I mean, there's no other way to say it. That's how it is. You know, if if you could be walking down the street and there you're not a suspect for anything, you're just like a dude, 
an old person, a homeless, whatever. You're just someone walking, and then, but you still, you know, security forces are still allowed to search you randomly. Right. They don't have to have a reason at all. I, for that to be okay is weird. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Um, Especially weird for you coming so from a place where you just fought against that, right? Well, just fought against. I mean, yeah, and we failed, sure, but uh, but I mean that was. That was the impetus for people to revolt, actually, right. yeah. against the state. Is that you know the abuse of police power and things like that? Um, but but uh, but but ironic. But the thing is about about in Egypt is like before the revolt. It's not like Egyptians thought they lived in in, in a first world democracy, right? right? Yeah. The irony of the of the American situation is like you have those things, these very authoritarian symptoms right right combined with a, with a widespread belief of living in a, uh, a, in a in a democracy that is upheld by 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 uh, by a uh, um democrat and constitutional principles right? yeah right yeah yeah you, you think you live in a democracy um, but and, you don't yeah right so so that that kind of uh, that juxtaposition that contrast is is in my mind the perfect grounds for amazing art in my mind <laughs> no yeah um i i totally i hear what you're saying um, and I actually sort of the Orwellian, Orwellian lens, um, leads me to, to ask you about the solar, solar grid, uh, which is a new project you're doing, a serialized, uh, black and white comic. I noticed when you write about it, um, use C-O-M-I-X comics, which says a lot for someone who like, you know, is aware of like the comic movement, the underground comic movement, uh, which really sort of draws a lineage back to really socially aware comic art. Uh, from the 70s in the U.S. And I'm thinking of people like uh, Robert Crumb or Art Spiegelman and uh, really groundbreaking comics uh, anthologies like uh, the Comic Arcade Arcade or, or Raw. Um, how much of that lineage is in the back of your head as you embark on this new project? Or is that I'm just making that up? It's all in my head. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, 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 I you know, I had an incredibly, growing up in, 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 in Egypt, um, I had... An incredibly limited access to comics, right? Okay. Um, growing up, and it wasn't until much later where I discovered, where I was able to discover these sort of underground things, you know. So I didn't like, I wasn't exposed to like, like raw and and um, things like raw and Robert Crumb and heavy metal. These things I only got were exposed to at a, at a, at a later age, you know. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, but having said that, I mean, I still feel like. Uh, um, even even if I if I'm going to think about like uh, um, some I mean I definitely like when I think about like the the works that I'm attracted to right um, it, it, it's all work that is somehow socially conscious you know right. um, I mean I feel like you know I feel like a, a, a lot of even 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 if we're not going to talk about like even if we even if we ignore the underground stuff which is which is amazing. I mean, you can't ignore that. That's like the best stuff, right? But <laughs> e even if you, if you, even if you were to ignore that and look at like the the really good, the really really good mainstream stuff, which honestly was most of it was like the stuff that happened um, after, I guess, the British invasion uh, of comics, of mainstream comics. Um, it's still. Uh, I mean, what makes it really good? I think a lot of people kind of like misread what makes it good. They think what makes it good is just like. Uh, um, the darkness of it, the snappy dialogue, and just like nasty characters, just like cussing all the time, and that's not that's just like super. That's just looking at it at a very superficial level, right? 
what I think what makes it really great is it's all almost entirely quite socially conscious work, work that is about, uh, talks about the human condition in some way or another. Right, that work that sort of like speaks to those times and those concerns are really sort of driving the narrative deep down inside. Right, 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 right. Um, and um, so, what's an example of that for you? Yeah, I mean, like, I, oh. I mean, I don't know. Even if you even if you take something as simple as Watchmen, and and a lot of times you see like when it's talked about. And I find it kind of a little frustrating that it's like, oh, the fall of, uh, it examines the fall of superheroes from grace and, and the, but that's not really what it's about, you know? It talks about, like, capitalism, it's the capital, like, it's the critique of capitalism and Watchmen is, like, is amazing. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a chapter about the perception of time in it, you know, the one with Dr. Mahan on Mars, and it's right. just like this whole chapter dedicated to how we perceive time, and it's amazing, and, and there's, uh, um, you know, a, a abuse of power, I mean, the whole who watches the Watchmen theme, right, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, is like course, throughout, right. um, and that's what really, that's what really makes it a great work, is that it's actually, it's just a, it's just a socially conscious work of art, you know, um, and, 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 uh, you know, that's, that's missing in mainstream comics today, that's, you know, there's nothing that's socially conscious about most of the comics being put out today, unfortunately. Um, so I still, I still go back to older work. I go back to like, you know, if I go back to like older heavy metal stuff from the seventies or, um, or, you know, um, so do you, do you not, do you not read some of the stuff from like image? Does that none of that grab your eye in terms of like, I'm thinking of something like, you know, the, bitch planet or the fade out. Or, um, I, I, I haven't, I haven't actually looked at bitch planet yet, but I hear great things about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to checking it out. Yeah. Um, You're probably busy. Um, well, I mean, I, 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 I've, I've just become like kind of um, corrupted by graphic novels, I guess now. So I, I just, I just uh, uh, prefer. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Getting you like, like a whole chunk of story in book format in a way. Um, right. And um, uh, I guess it's just like something I've gotten, I've gotten used to. So um, I'll, I'll probably do that with Fish Planet. You know. Um, right. Yeah. So I'll pick it up and trade. As they're, they're they're easier to like you know put on your bookshelf, bookshelf yeah. and <laughs> and and exactly and keep right. and uh, you know I have I have a few old comics that um, are probably not kept the way they're, you're supposed to keep them in order to like stay in good condition or whatever so you know um, I hear you yeah I totally understand yeah. that yeah um well let's talk specifically about like the story and Solar Grit I mean uh, having read the first issue there's so much going on there uh, <laughs> there's so much going on there um um I I think I can say with some certainty it's it's dystopian I'll I'll, I'll say that but you know <laughs> Um, what would you say about the world of Solar Grid? Like for someone, you're like, okay, this is this is my primer for the Solar Grid. Here you go. It's it's this. You know, it's after the flood. That might help. Let me start. It's after the flood. <laughs> right. So it's it's after the flood. Um, and it, in a way, it does it does examine. Um, I mean, the 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 work is, and in some sense, it's it's quite simple. <laughs> in another sense, it's very complicated. Yeah. Uh, in the, in the simple sense, it does what it will. What it will, I think, what it will, it'll be clear quite eventually. Eventually, that it it really does just focus on these two 
the most two unlikely characters, Mehdi and Kameen, who are the two kids who go through the waste right. on Earth um, and try to find valuable items that they could sell. Um, these valuable items are obviously like things from, from the past, things from like, you know, possibly before the flood or, you know, just from the civilizations that happened before. Um, so there is a, a kind of archaeological bend to it in that sense, like things, it's how even like our current situation, you know, there are certain things that we find, we find value in certain old things that tell us something about the way the world was before. Right. Um, so this is the case for these two kids. Um, and, and, you know, they're just rummaging through trash. So imagine like a huge landfill and they're kind of like these like little scruffy homeless kids just going through waste and trying to find valuable things that they could sell in order to have enough money to, to trade for food to eat, basically. That's, that's their motive at the end of the day. So right. the most unlikely characters, um, you know, they are, they are people of color. Um, um, so, so, you know, I guess you could say... You know, I, I kind of don't like the term my, my minority, especially if you're talking on a global scale, because right. people of color are actually the majority. Yeah, so, yeah. So in that sense, I, I, can't, I can't say, oh, they're a minority. Actually, you know, we're talking in terms of... But I mean, there's a question here about um, <laughs> economic and social power. Um, right. So yeah. Then, so, so we could say that they are the... the the unfortunate. <laughs> right. Well, the first chapter is the wretched of the earth, right? I mean, <laughs> here, like, right. The, so, yeah. yeah. So it basically follows these two, basically the most uh, uh, um, unlikely characters who would come across something that would change the pace of the planet forever. Um, and that's that's just like that's the really that's the core of the storyline. That's the main storyline that we're following. But over the course of as as that happens, we are we're going back into the past uh, to 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 to, to uh, explore how the planet got to where it is, basically. Okay. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of the story in a nutshell, I guess. If if you if you want like this really short summary, you yeah, know, the premise. Yeah, that's 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 a good one. Um, for people who might be thinking about, I I, I one of the things when I when I first saw some of the images, it, it reminded me a little bit of Transmetropolitan. Like, that was the one thing that came, came to my mind immediately, whether or not it was intended or not. I'm like, oh. Um, so it's funny that you mentioned, like, you're a huge fan of Warren Ellis. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense now. Um, but, <laughs> well, there's uh, that dude, like, that kind of almost a direct reference to Spire Jerusalem. He appears, like, in a, in a couple of pages, right? Uh, the, the journalist. Uh, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Buster uh, um, Bethlehem, right? Yeah. So even like the name kind of has a spider juice and ring to it. Right. Um, and I also thought, and again, correct me if I'm, I'm sort of like reading too much into it. It, 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 it was this very sort of, it had a, a somewhat 70s feel. Um, I also thought like, Solent Green or um, some of that sort of 70s dystopian science fiction kind of stuff, which I think is like a, a constant reference point for, for some people uh, in modern. It's in modern sort of like creative circles. But is this the beginning of like a series of stories set in this world or is this like a, a self-contained once once this story is done, I want to move on to a new world, a new a new tale? Um, well, uh, you know, I, I, I um, in a way I do have I do have enough story in me for 
um, for, 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 for a prequel and possibly even a sequel. Okay. But I don't think I would want to indulge in that necessarily right away, uh, forever maybe. I don't know. I do know that, um, I do know that, um, like even within the story, right, there is, um, within the story, there are, there are sort of short stories that will take place with like new characters in different moments in time. Okay. But, but, uh, but, but, but the, but the, but the stories kind of almost revolve around objects, reoccurring objects. Right. So, I mean, uh, example, you know, we have a, we have a poster we see in, 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 cha- in chapter one, um, that the kids find. Right. Right. And they fight and they fight over. Yeah. Um, and then, and then we start to see like that kind of same poster reoccurring in the background uh in a couple of instances in chapter two but then in chapter three we actually sort of uh, there will be a, a a good part of the chapter that goes back in time and actually we see the person who did actually make that poster and understand why they made that poster and so on but then the story and the story kind of ends there we don't see that person ever again but then when we jump back into the future again with the kids then we understand maybe the, the significance of the poster more why are, why are because we went we visited the past and so so i so i do so in a way even like this current story this current sto- solar good story line that i'm following does have like kind of uh these 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 uh disconnected but you know mildly connected little mini stories in it you know what i'm saying okay, yeah um yeah. in terms of plotting that out i mean are you is it like the whole thing plotted out or are you still writing it, what sorry i mean is the whole thing sort of like plotted out like you have the script and you're just drawing or like are you sort of like drawing and plotting right now or um, is it ongoing or? well i it's it's kind of both actually i found i found myself like really spending a lot of time like outlining the whole thing okay. before before like starting on it and i outlined it maybe i did like i don't know five six different drafts for the outline and i noticed that actually from the first outline it changed kind of drastically by the end by the fifth and okay. then i started on the thing on, on actually doing it but as i'm doing it now i find myself already still uh uh, uh kind of altering the outline in, in my head you know okay uh so so in a way the outline is is there as a as a general as a as a general um as a general guide but but there's enough room in it for like uh for 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 for, for change along the way basically but 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 the beginning, but but the 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 major strokes of the outline are all there. You know, the 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 the, the, the it'll end in a certain way. I know how, how it'll end. I know how it started, and I know some major strokes in the in the middle. But there's lots of details kind of in, in, in between that are that are can be variable. You know, right. Um, it's a black and white style, and I, mean, I think people um, need to know that. Uh, very evocative of a uh, sort of black and white revolution. Uh, an alternate com- an al- alternative comics in the early '80s, so it's very, very stylistically. What was your decision there? I mean, why did you why did you decide to go with a black and white style um, with this story? Well, um, you know, I I just really love black and white comics. You know, yeah, um, okay. I, I I find myself attracted, far more attracted to like picking up a you know a, a black and white comic on recycled paper than I do like a glossy color comic book okay. um uh, uh so there's that there's that inclination i just I just can't really look at I find myself not comfortable very comfortable looking at a lot of uh, the colored 
comics that are being produced now. Um, there's that that aspect. The second aspect is also, in a way, I feel like um, I feel like as uh, working in black and white as an artist, mm-hmm. um, with the intention of the work appearing in black and white, is 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 helping make me a stronger artist also because I know that I can that uh, that I can't rely on like color to, to to fix things I can't rely on color for like shadows and and for to embellish things or I can't rely on color to um I can't rely on, on like digital effects to like if I want a reflection in a, in a in a mirror or something you know what I'm saying yeah like I have to like the work has to be completely in black and white with the drawing as it's finished as as it looks on paper it has to pretty much look complete and 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 good and in a way it forces you to be a better artist you know you can't cheat in a way um there's that aspect um that being said actually i've only kind of recently started to like play with the idea of perhaps in when i have scenes on mars to do those on color actually oh really okay (laughs) so i might be shocked Um, but you know, another thing about uh, the Solar Grid is um, it's uh, uh, sort of serial. It's a weekly. Uh, people are paying uh, for the black and white PDF per per issue. Is this a way for you to sort of strike this balance between commerce and art, like sort of creative endeavor and and and, and having to pay the bills, as it were? Like a better term. Um, yeah, well, it's not weekly. It's bi-monthly. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, Sorry. I know. Yeah. So, so it's once every two months. Um, uh, uh, the, the first issue, the first chapter was like, I don't know, 34 pages or something like that. And um, I think the second one, chapter is looking to like be around in the same range. Okay. Um, so the, the, each chapter is it's bi-monthly, but they're quite dense. Um, and in a way, the, the, the bi, uh, the, having a bi-monthly release schedule, I feel, is is, is good on, on several l- levels. On one hand, it's like, as opposed to like, not releasing it and just like working on it as a graphic novel and then finally releasing it as a whole, uh, 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 you know, the, the, you do need a little bit, it's good to have a little bit of a deadline as you're working on these things. So you don't just like sit on your ass for like a really long time and, and not, you know, produce the work. Right. Um, also the, 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 the digital releases, they, in a way you want, you, you want to like fund the process of creating the graphic novel, right? Right. Um, one way to do that would be like to do like a Kickstarter, which which I was thinking about for a while, and I even like had um, there was someone who um, who works for Kickstarter who um, who offered to like you know put it if I did do a Kickstarter to put it on the front page of Kickstarter and try and promote it to like help get it like funded, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So. So I, I did tinker with that idea, but then I didn't. Um, that would have been a way to do it to get it funded, but then I didn't like the idea of. of um, I feel like I would have ended up producing the book for the people who funded the campaign, you know, um, um, and it would okay. be like just mailed to them. And they're probably I probably wouldn't have enough books or money to distribute it in bookshops. You know, okay. which I feel like is I kind of that's how I like to buy books. I just walk into a bookshop randomly and like see if something speaks to me and pick it up, you know, right, as opposed right, to right, only right. Uh, order off of like whatever. Um, so, 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 so I, I'd, I'd like to do that. Um, and also, of course, I also want the wor- my work to be, I want my effort and my energy to be entirely put into 
the book and not rewards right. in addition to the book, right. you know? Yes, um, and, and many so people me, talk about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so for me, it just made sense, you know, why complicate things? Just like, let's do a straight up, straightforward, like, okay, here's the PDF. If you want to download it, you know, this is how much it costs to download it, and, and, and that would hopefully, like, get enough downloads and to, 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 to be able to fund, you know, the rest of the chapters, the production, the drawing, the time it takes to write and draw them. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's kind of, like, how I went about it. And I, I, I went bi-monthly, not monthly, because monthly is just insane. <laughs> right, yeah, so, like, the time schedule, right? Uh, um, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, bi-monthly, bi-monthly, not weekly. Um, <laughs> yeah, weekly would have been like impossible. I well, I was, how, that's like, why I was curious. Like, do you have you already drawn all of this? Because I thought in my head, like, oh, he's releasing this weekly. So I was assuming that you already done the whole thing. You're just releasing it in a, in a weekly manner. Oh, uh, um, <laughs> um, no. And I'm actually like, you know, like, you know, chapter, the first chapter, I, I finished it like a day before I released it. And I'm probably going to finish the second chapter a day before the release or the day of the release and just put it, you know, it's like, so. Oh my God. There you Wow. So <laughs> one bad day and you're on. schedule, <laughs> Right. Basically. Like, uh, hmm. No pressure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, okay so that that takes away my next question like are you doing anything else like are you like working on things on the side while you're doing this no no i'm not okay uh well i mean this is taking up the the bulk of my time but but um but still because the bi-monthly release schedule still enables me to like do a couple of things on the side from time to time which is good because um i get i get a little stir crazy being sure, stuck yeah. doing one thing for a long time um, so I don't know. I mean, I did, I did an eight page story for, um, this kind of indie black and white magazine called World War Three Illustrated. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which stars, um, some of the characters from Solar Grid, which, right? Which star, which has, yeah, it features some of the characters from Solar Grid. So, I mean, it was a nice way to do a different story, uh, but still like be in the world of the, of the Solar Grid and, and, uh, you know, do that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I, I, you know, I'm selling some of my, like my artwork, um, basically through galleries and institutions and things. So that's also something on the side. Um, and I'm, I'm writing, uh, on and off what will possibly be my, uh, future graphic novel after the Solar Grid. Um, okay. Right. So you got a full play, full play. Yeah. Um, it's good to keep busy. <laughs> That's true. Better, better be doing something than not doing anything. Um, well, you know, it's, it's just been a great conversation, but I always like to keep on right around an hour or about 54 minutes. So I'm going to wrap this up. Um, if people want to follow you, your what's your website? Um, so, so the website is genzier.com, okay. um, which is G-A-N-Z-E-E-R.com. Um, and, uh, also it'd be, you know, on Twitter at Genzir, basically, um, um, I'm also Genzir on Goodreads. Um, and then there's, yeah, that's it. There's, uh, and there is the solargrid.net, right, the actual yeah. comic book, right? And, and from there also you could, uh, follow the, you know, um, sign up for the newsletter. Yes. Do yeah, sign I'm, up I'm for around. the newsletter. Yeah. Do sign up for the newsletter. That's the interesting newsletter. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate this. Thanks for sharing your artistic um, sort of narrative with us and uh, showing us, telling us a little bit about your work. Um, it's definitely like something that I think people should be checking out. Um, you can also, of course, 
uh, check out some of your work in galleries and in collections around. Uh, there's some of your shows, like All America has been written up in Vice. So there's that as well. But thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, man. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot. And uh, thank you guys for listening for Beyond Impossible, of course. That is part of Sci-Fi Pulse Now, uh, Sci-Fi Radio. So uh, thanks, Ian, for helping me out and uh, join us again um, for our next interview. This is Nick Tarabay, uh, Asher, and uh, Spartacus, Gods of the Arena, Spartacus, Blood and Sand. And uh, I'm here at SFP now. Keep listening, and thank you so much. That's the end of uh, this episode of uh, SFP now. Um, and we'll be back at you again next time. So, thanks a lot.